Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of John, chapter number 14. John, chapter number 14. I'm, exci- I'm excited about the message tonight. I believe the Lord really helped us this morning, and I'm equally as excited about tonight. Now, not because I'm a good preacher, not at all. No, no, no. But I am, I'm just, I'm, this afternoon, I'm, I'm looking over the outline and just getting my mind wrapped around tonight and uh, just looking at what God has for us tonight and excited about what we get to share with you this evening because I really believe this. I really believe what we're going to share tonight is life, life-changing. I, b- I believe it is. And uh, we're talking about, of course, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to go a little further in our study tonight. So when you find your places in John chapter number 14, let's all stand, if you would, please, out of respect for the reading of God's Word and uh, give it an opportunity to stretch your legs one more time. John 14, we're going to read just four verses tonight, and then we'll jump right into the Bible study. And that's exactly what it will be tonight as a Bible study. This morning was a little bit more preaching, and tonight will be, be a little bit more teaching tonight. So John 14 And look, if you will, at verse number 15 tonight, the Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray. This is Jesus speaking and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter uh, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. You may be seated tonight, and uh, let's talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit more tonight. I hope this has been a help to you, and this will be our third, I think this is our third week, maybe our fourth week, but I think this is going to be our third week. study, and uh, we may have given you an introduction. I can't remember, but anyway, I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I believe tonight's going to be a blessing to you, and it's good for, good for us to understand what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. And so let's pray, and uh, we'll jump right into it tonight, okay? Father, we love you. Thank you so much for a great day. Uh, it's been so good to be in the house of the Lord today, and Father, thank you for manifesting your Spirit here, your precious Holy Spirit Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us a powerful word that uh, changes our life, that's a discerner of the soul and spirit, and God, we just appreciate the power, the life-changing power of this book right here. God, we thank you for all the music that's been contributed into the services today and then tonight, and Father, I pray that it has prepared our hearts for what we're about to receive. Uh, Lord, we pray now that the Holy Spirit would would help us. I pray that the Spirit of God would open our hearts and our understanding now. And Father, I pray for at least for a few moments, and I don't think we're going to be very lengthy at all tonight, but I pray for just a few moments that we will do our best to concentrate on spiritual things. And God, I pray that you'll teach us. I pray that you'll save the lost. I pray you'll work through the live stream. And God, all that's done tonight, I pray, would honor Christ and glorify the Lord and build your kingdom, and help your children. We pray for your touch now, Father. We love you and praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. And we've been talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to do this tonight by way of introduction. I want to, as a a beginning point tonight, 
I want to talk to you about, uh, I'm going to put it on the screen here tonight, I want to talk to you about the dispensational work of the Holy Spirit. And so don't lose me. You say, oh, no, preacher, you know, we're going way too deep. No, we're not going deep at all. We're going to stay up in the shallow, but I want you to, I want you to hear me out. I want to talk to you a little bit about the dispensational work of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a few theological words that when people use these words, folks have a tendency to get a little nervous. For instance, if you use a word like predestination, sometimes folks have a tendency to get a little nervous. And here's the thing, you don't have to be nervous about predestination. It's a Bible teaching, it's a Bible doctrine. But it's very important that you teach predestination in its context. Um, I'm glad I am predestined for some things. I'm predestined to be like Christ and, uh, and so many other things that we could talk about that. But predestination is one of those words but there's another word, and that's the word dispensation. Whenever you mention that word dispensation, folks have a tendency to get, to get a, little, a little nervous. Now, again, putting some things on your screen tonight, the word dispensation simply means administration. A dispensation is a way of ordering things. Now, in theological terms, a dispensation is the divine administration of a purity of time. Dispensationalists understand the Bible to be organized into seven dispensations. There's the dispensation of innocence. There's the dispensation of conscience, of human government, promise, law, grace, and the millennial kingdom. But here's what I want you to understand tonight, Calvin. It's good for us to hear these things. These dispensations are not paths to salvation, but manners in which God relates to man. There have been certain manners in which God related to men throughout the ages, but this is what I believe. But I believe that God's salvation has always been the same. It's always been the same. Now, I think Brother Drake and uh, Miss Caitlin, I think they've got some sickness tonight, but Brother Drake called this week and, and he asked me a great question, wonderful question. And usually if, if one person has a question, there's probably about four or five more that have that, that same question. And so I want to talk to you, just a moment, I want to talk to you about this idea of dispensation and what I'm talking about tonight, where God's salvation has always been the same. You say, well, preacher, uh, if that be the case, how are Old Testament saints saved? And so hear me out. Old Testament saints were saved the same way that you're saved. They were saved by looking forward. New Testament saints are saved by looking backwards. Now, let me explain. When the Old Testament saint offered the sacrifice under the law, when he took that lamb, that perfect lamb, that lamb that was out without blemish, could not have an eye affliction, could not have a, 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 an affliction in its, in its coat or its fur, uh, it could not have a, a hoof sickness or some type of mouse. No, 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 it had to be perfectly uh, without blemish. And he would take that lamb and he would offer that lamb as a sacrifice under the law. In essence, that Old Testament saint was, was looking forward to a time when God would provide a sacrifice for our sins. And his faith was counted for righteousness. Now, so again, you say, preacher, I thought that when he sacrificed the lamb, that work of sacrificing the lamb is what saved him. That's not what saved him. When he was mindful to do that under the law, took that lamb, sacrificed that lamb, that blood was shed, that was a picture of something that was going to happen in the future. 
And so when that Old Testament saint, by the way, who did not understand the gospel like you and I understand it, he didn't know what you know because you have the New Testament, but that Old Testament saint said this, I believe that God is going to provide a sacrifice in the future and so to honor that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abide by the law. I'm going to take that lamb. I'm going to sacrifice that lamb. The blood is going to be shed. And as he was doing that, he was pointing forward to a time when God was going to provide a sacrifice. And in essence, his faith was counted for righteousness. In fact, our Bible says, I'm going somewhere, so stay with me tonight. Romans chapter four, verse number three, the Bible says, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And so the Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward. The New Testament saints, that's you and me, by the way, are saved by looking back. So just like that Old Testament saint looked forward to the cross when God was going to send a sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, who would die on the cross, as that Old Testament saint looked forward to the cross, in faith he was saved. And in the same exact way, you and I, as we look back to the cross and we say, God has sent a sacrifice. His name is Jesus Christ. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross. I believe that. Hey, that faith is counted to you and I for righteousness. Somebody says, okay, preacher, but what does this have to do with the dispensational work of the Holy Spirit? This is gonna help you tonight. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. We read it tonight, and I don't know if you noticed it. Before Christ ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit dwelled with believers. Now that's incredibly important. So different dispensation of time, if you will, different administration. Before Jesus Christ, we know that Christ died. They put him in the grave. He came out of the grave. And then later, we know that Jesus ascended back to heaven. But listen to this. Before Christ ascended, the Holy Spirit, this is how the Holy Spirit worked with men. The Holy Spirit dwelled with believers. He dwelled among believers. The Holy Spirit came upon the righteous. He worked in the righteous. He worked through the righteous. Let me give you an illustration. You don't have to turn there. Judges chapter six, verse number 34 talks about one of the judges of Israel. His name was Gideon, one of the greatest judges of the Old Testament. And the Bible says in Judges six, verse 34, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, came upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet, the Bible says. Judges chapter 14, verse number six is talking about Samson. And the Bible says about Samson and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid and he had nothing in his hand. Samson got his strength. You know when Samson got his strength? When the spirit of God came upon him. And so before Christ's ascension, the Holy Spirit dwelled among believers or dwelled with believers. You say, okay, big deal preacher, really big. And I'll tell you why. Because after Christ's ascension, he promised that something new was gonna take place. The Holy Spirit was not only going to be with us. Wake up now, don't go to sleep, wake up. If you miss this tonight, you're gonna to miss an incredible blessing. And so when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he said this, the Holy Spirit is not only going to be with you, but the Holy Spirit was promised to be in you. 
We read it tonight. You may have noticed it. You may, maybe you didn't, but look at, look at your passage again. John chapter 14, verse number 17. The Lord Jesus is talking to his disciples here in verse 17. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Look what he says. But ye know him for he dwelleth with you. Now that's, that's how the Holy Ghost used to work. They were used to the spirit of God dwelling with them. But all of a sudden, Jesus introduces something else. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Future tense. He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now you're in John chapter number 14. Uh, Turn back just a few pages to John chapter seven. And here we find that the Lord Jesus Christ talked about something brand new that was about to take place. John chapter seven and verse number 37. Uh, Notice what it says. In the last day, John seven verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Watch closely. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody says, what in the world, pastor? What is the Lord talking about? Well, look what it says. But this he spake, uh, but, this, uh, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Again, we're talking about the dispensational work of the Holy Spirit. Before Christ went back to heaven, the Spirit of God dwelled among men. And occasionally he came upon men and women. But when Jesus Christ died, and ascended back to heaven, everything changed. And Jesus said, what you've been used to is getting ready to change. I'm gonna tell you something. Business is getting ready to pick up. You see, you've been used to all these years, the Holy Ghost being with you, being with you, being with you, coming upon you from time to time, giving Samson strength, giving Gideon a gift that he needs. Uh, But I'm I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. When I ascend back to heaven, something different's gonna take place and the Spirit of God is not only going to dwell with you, but the Holy Spirit is going to dwell inside of you. Now, is that important? Well, let me ask you this. Did you know it's one thing, it's one thing to have an antibiotic with you. It's quite another to have an antibiotic in you. If you're really sick, man, you're coughing and can't get your breath and you got a tight chest and your head's all stuffed up. And I mean, you've been fighting it for days and days and days and, and you finally, you know, you tell your wife, honey, I'm just, man, I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm gonna have to go to the doctor. And you go to the doctor and man, he examines you and he says, man, you've got this problem and you've got this problem. And he says, I'm gonna do this. He said, I'm not gonna admit you yet, but he said, I, I'm gonna prescribe you an antibiotic. And he said, I want you to go right down here to, to CVS or Publix or Walgreens or wherever you get your, uh, your, uh, your prescription. And he said, I'm gonna call you in an antibiotic and I want you to go down there and get that antibiotic. Now, wait a minute now, church. You can go down to that pharmacy and you can get that prescription. You can get that antibiotic. And I'll tell you this, if you have that antibiotic with you, it's going to give you comfort because at least you know you've got it. But it is something totally different when you've got the antibiotic in your car or in your dash or at the house than when you've got the antibiotic inside of you. You see, when the antibiotic goes from being outside 
to the inside, guess what happens? A change begins to take place. And so it is with the Holy Ghost. As the Spirit of God is dwelling with you, that's one thing. But Jesus said this, things are gonna change. When I go back to heaven, I'm gonna give you another comforter. And that comforter is not only gonna dwell with you, but that comforter is gonna dwell in you. I wanna say again, there's a major difference in something that dwells with you and something that's in you. You're going down the road in your pickup truck and you're out in the boonies somewhere. And all of a sudden, she starts spitting and sputtering and shaking. And you think, oh man, I meant to stop and get gas. Oh man, I meant to stop and get gas. And all of a sudden, boy, she, she rattles a little bit and you pull her over to the side and she just, she's done. You are out of gas. Now, wait a minute now. And then you remember something. Wait a minute. I've got a full gas can in my bed, the bed of my truck. It's right there. Now, it's one thing to have that full gas can in the bed of your truck, but it's quite another to have that fuel inside of your truck. And so, did you know that when your truck is out of gas, your windshield wipers may still move? Did you know when your truck is out of gas, you may still be able to turn your key back and the radio may come on? Did you know when your truck is out of gas, you may be able to turn your flashers on or turn your headlights on, but I'm gonna be honest with you, until that gas moves from the back of the truck into the fuel tank of the truck, you're gonna stay there. But when you take, yes, yes, when you take that gas and you move it from the outside and you put it to the inside, you know what happens? That fuel uh, causes a, a spark, it causes a fire, and it causes that engine to be, be, be able to go and, uh, and you're on your way. What made the difference? It was on the outside, but all of a sudden, he got on the inside and it made all the difference in the world. Did you know you can have food with you and still starved to death. And it's happened. Do you know there are people that they have found who have starved in their homes and their apartments and they came to find out that their cupboards had food? You say, Pastor, if their cupboards had food, how in the world did they starve to death? I'll tell you why. The food was here, but the food was not inside of them. But if you take that food that's in your cupboard or that food that's in your cabinet and you put that food inside of you, you know what happens? It fuels and energizes your body. And so it is with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that the Spirit of God not, is not just with us, but the Holy Spirit is in us. When the Spirit of God comes in, he, a change takes place. A change takes place. And this is what I thought about. Listen, did you know that's exactly what has happened? When, when revival hit the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina, an unplanned revival, and 100 people got born again, and I'm telling you, things begin to change at Calvary. You say, preacher, what's the explanation? I'll tell you exactly what it is, that which was on the outside took a new location and it came onto the inside. And it made an incredible, incredible difference. Man, isn't that good stuff right there? Wow. How many are glad the Holy Ghost is living inside of you right now? Wow, praise the Lord. I know I sure am. Well, we said several things. Number one, we said the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, first of all, is the guide. 
John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. If you were part of that study, uh, we said the word guide is the word hodijo, uh, hodijo, and it means to show the way. We said also that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to assist. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And that word comforter is the word parakletos and it means called to one side, called to one's aid. And so it's the ministry of the Spirit of God to guide and it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to assist. But let's go one more step tonight. Number three, it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to convict. Now let's look at it tonight. Look at John chapter 16 in your Bibles. John 16, and, and we're almost done, so hang in there with me because we'll be done here in just a moment. John 16, verse number eight, look what the Lord Jesus says here about the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse eight, and when he, the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will do what? He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, somebody says, okay, but hang on, preacher. You just said that the Holy Spirit, although the Holy Spirit has not been in us, the Holy Spirit has been with us, and that's true. Did you know there's never been a time when the Holy Spirit has not been? The Holy Spirit's part of the Godhead. And so the Holy Ghost has always been. The, the, we talked about creation this morning. Well, the Spirit of God was there when creation took place. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. Uh, and so you say, okay, all right. And so, preacher, if the, if the Holy Spirit has always been and he's been working with men and coming upon men, uh, then, uh, th then you say, uh, Pastor, uh, why has, has he been previously convicting of sin? If his ministry is, is to convict of sin, did he convict of sin in the Old Testament? And the answer to that would be yes, he did. But let's go a little further tonight. But I think even now in a greater way because he indwells the church. When you get born again, our Bible teaches that you become, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is not just with you. The Spirit of God takes up residence inside of you. And the Holy Spirit uses these temples as a way of bringing conviction into the world. If you can think about it like this, it's almost like concerning the church, it's almost like the Holy Spirit has little billboards on every corner. And that's you and me. We're to be a billboard for the cause of Christ. As you, as you go to work, the Holy Ghost is supposed to be emanating from you. As you minister to your family, the Spirit of God is supposed to be ministering through you. As you come to church, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be shining through you. And, uh, and so uh, when you get saved, you become, and I become, we become a billboard in essence. We become a billboard, a walking billboard for the cause of Christ. Now, all you young whippersnappers don't even have a clue what I'm about to tell you, but you older, uh, uh, older, more mature, more intelligent, smarter folks, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Years ago, we used to, when I was a kid, years ago, we used to vacate in Florida. And how many remember on the way to Florida, and it's not like this anymore, but on the way to Florida years ago, uh, when you started getting anywhere even remotely close, 
you'd start seeing these billboards promoting a place called Stuckey's. Y'all remember that? Oh, you older folks. And uh, in fact, after a little while, it almost got monotonous. I mean, you would uh, be driving down the interstate and there'd be a big, big billboard and it would say Stuckey's, two miles. And then you'd go about a half a mile and there'd be another billboard and it'd say Stuckey's, a mile and a half. And then you'd go a little further and it'd say Stuckey's, one mile. And then you go a little further and say, you just missed Stuckey's. I mean, you know, and it was just like, I mean, it was just, it was constant. And as a kid, I thought, man, what in the world is this place? What, what is this place called Stuckey's? <laughs> to be honest with you, it was nothing but a hole in the wall is all it was. Uh, but there were billboards that just promoted and promoted and promoted. And as a kid, as you were, you know, on your way to, uh, you know, vacation, and you were thinking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I mean, it was just crazy. The number of signs, stucky signs that were just lining the interstate. Wait a minute, all right? Let me give you something you can't identify with. So in October, we're gonna have our marriage retreat, Lord willing, down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. When you get down close to, I think it's Marion, right about the time when you get on 501. How many are with me? You know what I'm talking about? You get on 501, like you're going into Myrtle Beach. Well, Dolly Parton, I think, bought every billboard from about Florence, South Carolina to Myrtle Beach. She owns Pirate's Voyage. And you'll go about 100 yards and there'll be a big billboard and it says Pirate's Voyage. And it'll give something about Pirate's Voyage. And then you go another 100 feet and it'll say Pirate's Voyage. And then you go another 100 yards and it's on this side, Pirate's Voyage. And then you go a little bit further, Pirate's Voyage. And I mean, it's just one after another, after another, after another, after another. And after a while, you know, after a little while, you're like, man, I'm either going to go see this show or she's going to drive me crazy. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Listen, did you know that's exactly how the Holy Spirit works through his church? We are to be constant billboards to warn the world away from sin and to advertise righteousness and judgment to come. And by the way, church, in case you're, in, in case you're interested, it's one of the reasons that the tribulation period is going to be so dangerous and so dark. You know why? Because when the tribulation period takes place, the Holy Spirit is taking his billboards out of here. And all those billboards are gone. I want you to look at this with me, if you will. Turn over to the book of, of 2 Thessalonians chapter number two. I, I can promise you this, you wouldn't want to be here during the tribulation period. We believe this, the rapture of the church is coming. We believe that Jesus is gonna call his church home. The sound of the trumpet, the shout of the archangel, Jesus is gonna call his church home. And, uh, and when, when he does that, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is taking his billboards out of this place. Look what it says. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse number six. The Bible says, and now you know what withholdeth that we might be revealed, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That mystery of, of the Antichrist, uh, the mystery of, of iniquity doth already work. Look at this, look at this. Only he who now letteth. Now, we said that this morning, that King James word letteth is a word that means hinder. Only he who now hinders will hinder. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, capital W, you notice that? 
And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him who is coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And I know sometimes when you try to take a stand and do right as we preached about this morning, sometimes the world doesn't appreciate it. And sometimes they exclude you from their parties And sometimes they point the finger at you and sometimes they make you feel bad. And I just want to go ahead and serve notice on this world. There's coming a day when you won't have to worry about those billboards anymore because the Holy Ghost is taking them out of here. And when those billboards are gone, mark my words, this place is going to become dark. You say, Pastor, it's already dark. Listen, by the way, that's another way we know we're not in the tribulation. People say, we're in the tribulation. We're not in the tribulation. We're not in the tribulation. And there's a lot of reasons, I can, a lot of ways I can prove that, but one of the ways I can prove it is this, the billboards are still here. And when the tribulation take place, takes place, those billboards will be gone. Make no mistake about it, it is the Spirit of God who warns us away from sinful practices. He convicts. He convicts. And by the way, thank God he does. He convicts. Okay. Illustration. If you've flown recently, how many, how many have had to fly recently and you had to go through TSA? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Isn't that fun? My wife and I decided to go ahead since we're making more trips to California than we ever thought we'd ever make. We decided to go ahead and jump through all the hoops, and we did the TSA pre now. And that, man, that's been a blessing. But if you go down to the airport and you uh, TSA guys across the little gate there, and he says, and you walk, and all of a sudden the alarm goes beep, and he says, "Sir, come back, please." You walk back. He says, "Check your pockets." You know, oh, I'm sorry, I had my, had my 44 Magnum right there. I'm sorry, let me put that in there. And uh, <laughs> I wouldn't try that, by the way. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry, I had my nail clippers in there. And you put it over there, and he says, and so you walk through, and all of a sudden, meep. And he says, sir, go back. And he says, check all your pockets, and you check and you're thinking, oh my word, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. I had my keys in there. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. That's what I'm saying. That detector is detecting whether you're trying to take some type of metal through and onto the plane. Did you know that you and I have a detector in our life? And his name is called the Holy Spirit. And when you get involved, when you, oh yes, this is so good. When you start looking at something you shouldn't look at, all of a sudden, beep. And the Holy Spirit says, let's start again. And then he says, all right, come on through. Beep. Holy Spirit says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You've still got some bitterness in your heart with that, toward that person. Come back. Come back. No, 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 no. You 
drank something you shouldn't have drank. You went somewhere you shouldn't have went. You were hanging around a crowd you shouldn't have hung around. Wait a minute. You know what the Spirit, yes, you know what the Spirit of God does in our life? The Holy Spirit convicts us. He is that alarm. Yes, boy, we can just stop and shout for a little while. Thank God. Thank God I have that sin detector in my life. And when I do things I shouldn't do and say things I shouldn't say and act in ways I shouldn't act, boy, thank God. He doesn't just dwell with me. Thank God he dwells in me. And he says, hey, son, you come back and start again. And make sure that you get, make sure that you get things right. It's why, the spirit of, it's why the world wants nothing to do with Christianity because the Holy Spirit reminds them of sin and he reminds them of wrong. You've heard this little story, but my mom and dad, I, I have, they may be watching tonight, I, I have great Christian parents. And, if, and I've told people, if they weren't my parents, I'd have to tell people that they're still, they're good people even, even if they weren't my parents. My mom and dad brought me up right and dad put the fear of God in me, and I'm so glad he did. And uh, most of the time, we did right. But I'm going to be honest with you. We didn't have a choice about doing right. We didn't have a choice about church. We, we were going to church. We didn't have a choice. But when I got a little bit older and had a little bit more liberty, I started getting around the wrong crowd. I was in high school. I said the other day, my mom and dad because they were trying to look out for me, my mom and dad sent me to a Christian school in the eighth grade. That's where I met Dr. Brother Hamilton, who used to be the pastor down here at Calvary. If I'd have had any sense, I'd have stayed right there. I, my parents were trying to lead me right, but I, was, I thought I was the cool Mr. Cool. And so I begged my mom and dad to let me go back to public school. And I thought, you know, when I go back to public school, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn them around for Jesus. And usually what happens is the wrong crowd turns you around for the devil. You never jump in a swimming pool, make the swimming pool dry. The swimming pool makes you wet. And you don't jump in the middle of the wrong crowd, make the wrong crowd good. The wrong crowd makes you bad. And I started hanging around. I, I started hanging around, got my license. I started hanging around a crowd that was not good. Now, thank God, somehow, only by the grace of God, I didn't do all the things they did. But they were smoking dope. Back in that day, at least, alcohol was a lot easier to get. They didn't check IDs near as much. And a lot of my friends were drinking. On the weekends, they were drinking heavily. And I knew it was wrong, and I knew, and I knew if my mom or dad, if my dad, especially if my dad caught me, I knew what my dad would do. Even as a teenager, my dad would wring my neck because I was sort of doing it under, under the radar, not really doing all the things they were doing. My friends were immoral. They were drinking. They were drugging. I mean, it was just a mess. And there was a place, and I can take you to this place over in Statesville, North Carolina, over on the west side of the county where kids used to hang out. And many a kid ruined their life there, this place. And I remember, I think it was a Friday night. It could have been a Saturday night. But I remember I was hanging out with my friends. And it was, a, it was just one of those wild nights. And when I say wild, I'm not talking about wild good. I'm talking about wild bad. I mean, there had already been several fights. And uh, friends were drinking heavily. In fact, I remember one of the friends I was with, we were sitting in the parking lot, and he had drank so much, he opened up, his, uh, opened up the door of his car, and I remember him puking all over the parking lot. 
And at that moment, I can take you to the spot. At that moment, the Holy Spirit came. You said, preacher, you're trying to say that God spoke to you audibly. He didn't speak to me audibly, but he might as well have. And the Holy Spirit, I was sitting in the car while my friend was puking in the parking lot, and the Holy Spirit came, and he said this, what in the world are you doing here? What are you doing here? This is not where you're supposed to be. Friend, it was as clear as if God had come and wrote on the wall. And the Holy Spirit came that night and said, you better get away from this crowd. And you better get your life straightened out. You say, preacher, why are you telling that story? Thank God I have a sin detector inside of me. Can I ask you a question? Does the Holy Spirit ever talk to you like that? Does the Holy Spirit ever come to you and say, what in the world was that about? Why did you say that? What were you thinking? Why would you look at something like that on your phone? How can you go to a site like that on the computer? What are you thinking? Well, I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit of God doesn't just live with us, but he lives in us. And that's exactly, friend, why we need as much of the Holy Spirit as we can get, especially in this day and time in which we're living. Boy, we need a sin detector. We need a sin detector. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Thank you for teaching us of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that he does not just dwell with us or among us, but if we're believers, he dwells in us. Lord, thank you that he convicts this world of sin, and righteousness, and judgment. Thank you that he is my sin detector. Thank you that he convicts me when I do wrong, when I talk wrong, when I think wrong, when I act wrong. And Father, I'm sorry for those times when I do. But I'm so thankful that you have given me a Holy Spirit that gives me conviction and tries to get me back into the will of God again. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would work in this invitation tonight. Speak to our hearts. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Hey, can I ask a question? How yielded are you to the Holy Spirit? Are you yielded to the Holy Ghost? Can He speak to you like that? Can He come and convict you about sin? When you do something, say something, look at something, go somewhere you shouldn't go, does that alarm go off in your life, in your heart? Are you yielded to the Holy Spirit? You know what might be a good idea tonight? It's if we had some folks just come around this altar and just say, Spirit of, of the living God, I yield myself to Thee. I yield to Thee. Work in my life. Work in my life. 
Would you stand with us all over the house tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Let me ask you this, though. I wonder if there might be one here tonight and the Holy Spirit is not inside of you. Our Bible says this, that if you're not born again, that the Holy Spirit doesn't reside inside of you. And so if you're here this evening and you have never been saved, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you tonight. All listen to me, my dear friend. Whatever you do, don't you leave this place without knowing that you're on your way to heaven. How many, with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many are here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I just want you to pray for me. I'm not sure if I died that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one like that anywhere? You just slip your hand up right now. Don't be embarrassed. Just raise your hand. I see that hand. Is there another tonight? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure of heaven. Is there another anywhere? Come on. Don't be embarrassed. Can I pray for you tonight? Is there another anywhere? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But can I just ask this? Is there something that the sin detector's been detecting in your life? Is there something that the Holy Spirit has been identifying in your life? You say, preacher, yes, yes, there is. Okay, why don't you do this? Why don't you make your way down to the altar tonight and do business with the Lord? Will you do that? So, Father, I thank you for your blessings. And, God, I thank you for teaching us a wonderful truth tonight. I, I, I believe it is. I know it's helped me so much. I'm so glad the Holy Ghost dwells in me. Uh, Lord, I'm glad that He is guiding me. He is assisting me. And He is convicting me. Father, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. And I act in ways I shouldn't act. And I'm not proud of that. But I'm so thankful that you've given me a Holy Spirit that convicts me about that. God, help us to be yielded, yielded to the Holy Spirit. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We have some personal workers up here tonight. And if you're here this evening and you say, Preacher, there's a need in my life, why don't you come right now? Would you come? Pastor, I need to be saved. Would you come right now? We've got somebody up here with a Bible who would love to, to take their Bible and show you how you can be saved. Would you come? Would you come? Preacher, uh, I'm saved. But I've just got an extra special burden on my heart. And I need somebody to pray with me, okay? Why don't you come tonight? And we would be glad to pray with you this evening. Would you come? That's right. Would you come tonight? Preacher, I just need somebody to pray with me this evening. Would you come? Would you come? If you're watching live stream tonight, we're so glad to have you tuning in. There is a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And we've had some people that are right beside the phone right now. And if we can help you in any way, please call that number. Please call. We would love to pray with you. And especially we'd love to share Christ with you tonight. I hope you'll call us.